Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? The following is an actor portrayal. With Kindly Assisted Living and Memory Care at Asbury Methodist Village in Montgomery County, you can anticipate more. But don't take our word for it. My dad moved to Kindly and loved it. His apartment was spacious, sunny, and overlooked Parkland. It was a great comfort to me to see him always smiling and involved in the life at Kindly. Enjoy quality on-site nursing and rehab services, too. Visit Kindly at Asbury.org today. Equal Opportunity Housing Provider. Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 140 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, and with me, as usual, is my 80 great co-host, now back from his little beach vacation he was on, back in his normal recording studio there in South Carolina, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? How much? I am happy to be back, man. I've been traveling we were going last week over the beach traveling the week before so you know two weeks kind of not at home and it kind of adds up so i'm looking forward to having a week back home and some normalcy and then you know the driver back home so some minor league games looking forward to that be out a couple times this week so yeah i'm just excited for some a bit of normalcy now the summer's really busy time for me so i'm just glad to be back in the in the podcast room here tonight and i'm looking <laughs> forward to a good show yeah, it's always nice to get back in your own bed. Obviously, it's nice to travel and you know have vacations and whatnot, but it's always nice to get back in your own bed and your own house. And yeah, so definitely, it's always nice to get back home. But uh, we got a really fun episode in store today. A lot of a lot of prospect talk. It's gonna be a very prospect heavy show, as you as it usually is, or at least more slanted towards prospects on our our early week show. But even more so today. But before we get into all that, the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter, of course, at Roto Clegg. I'm Eric Cross 04, and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please drop a rating and review. Those mean a lot. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us, including extra written work, extra bonus podcasts we do, live looks at our dynasty and prospect rankings, a great Discord channel, our Discord server, I should say. A lot of channels in there, a lot of good people in there chatting baseball. It's a lot of fun, so check that out. And, of course, check out all the other great work from the entire team, over at Fantrex HQ. All right, let's get right into it, Chris. We had a lot of pr- promotions here over the last week or so. Not a lot of huge names, not a lot of like sexy promotions, but all these are notable at least here. One big, the biggest name we'll start out with, 
Miguel Vargas with Justin Turner heading to the IL. The Dodgers called up Vargas from AAA. And his numbers were very, very good. They don't stay out, but the numbers are very good in AAA. In 94 games, 437 plate appearances, 291, 382, 497 slash line, 24 doubles, 15 home runs, 12 steals, 54 walks, just 64 strikeouts. You know, so obviously Vargas does not have the the huge power, huge speed, but he's you could say he's a plus hitter, great approach. He's always been a good walk rate guy, even better this year. Always kept the K rate in check. Always posted high contact rates. He's a 310 career hitter in the minor leagues. You know, 25 homer power and even maybe double-digit steals early in his career. That's kind of a undervalued part of his game here. Who knows what the playing time will look like the rest of this year. You know, Turner's due back at some point, I think, within the next couple of weeks. We'll see. But So the rest of the season outlook isn't exactly clear. But long-term, Chris, this is a very, very underrated pro- prospect that should be very, very sought after for, for fantasy purposes, I think. Yeah, and I think he's going to get every chance to keep this job, even though Turner may come back in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I really do think that this is Vargas's chance to prove that he's worth sticking in the lineup. You mentioned he was certainly worthy of the call. His performance in AAA was was really good across the board. Nearly a 3.45 slash. He was at 291, 382, 497, 15 home runs, and 12 stolen bases. Kind of impressive. Not really expecting him to run much, even though he already has a stolen base so far in the majors. I'm just hoping he really hits, he runs. Man, I would love to see him take this job. We're talking about 22-year-old Miguel Vargas with the Dodgers here. A lot of talent in the bat. I think the glove's good enough to where he can stick in the corner, take that spot. I mean, Justin Turner's been kind of meh anyway. So, you know, Vargas... Is interesting. He he didn't light up the stat cast data for AAA, like which is accessible through Savant. Like you have to like manually calculate it all. But he did have a pretty good max of 112.7, but you know, 90th percentile of just 102.6, and his average EV was 88.5. So a little bit underwhelming there, but still those numbers were really good in comparison to the league. He had a, a 38% hard hit rate, 8% barrel rate. 80% contact rate, though. You do like to see that. And I do expect Vargas to be a high-contact hitter. I mean, we're already seeing it in a small sample in the bigs. You know, Good plate discipline, good contact. Like you said, I think 25 home run power is reasonable to get to with time. So, you know, Vargas is a, a stud for fantasy. He's not going to wow you. He's never going to be a first-round type fantasy pick. But he's going to be a really good producer that just gets the job done consistently for you. No, I totally agree. I, I think I think top 10 third baseman is very attainable fantasy. Like I said, I think he's a guy that 280 plus, you know, 25 home runs, a little bit of speed as well. Obviously, he'll have solid counting stats, even if he's hitting bottom third of that Dodgers order. I'm sure he'll move up eventually, but probably bo- will stick bottom third initially. You, you think they pick up the op is a team option next year for Justin Turner. It was like 16 million team option with a two million buyout. Do you think they picked that up, Chris? I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, I thought it was a vesting option. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Was it? It, did, I, it doesn't say where I'm looking here if it's vesting or not. Yeah, it, it may not. Be. It may not be. But for some reason, I thought in my mind it was a vesting option of, of some sort. And then, if I guess if he vests, the team may have an option. But yeah, no, I'm seeing a club option on Sports Track at least. So you know, that's a tough one. 
I could see them wanting to have that 16 mil elsewhere. And when you've got Vargas ready, like I know Turner's just been kind of a, a staple for the Dodgers for a while now, but you just have to wonder. Like, I just think that he's probably better suited if, if they kind of move on from him, let Vargas take the reins and see where it goes. But also it could depend on what Vargas does rest of the season, I guess. Yeah, I, I think that definitely will, fa- will factor into it. He's played a couple games so far, a, a double, a steal, already a couple RBIs, uh, only one strikeout, that's just eight plate appearances. Yeah, I think he's definitely one that can make that transition a little easier. Obviously, we've seen that, you know, more often than not, this year, prospects have failed. Obviously, we get J-Rod and, and Witt going berserk, but besides that, mo- most prospects have not come up and done well initially. You know, Torque, Abrams, the list goes on and on, so... Vargas um, is one of those guys that – oh, good, sorry, go ahead, Chris. Oh, I was just going to say I found the vesting. I just want to clarify Turner's – so it's a club option, but it vested a higher amount if he finished. So if he finished top 10 in the MVP voting, it would vest at $20 million. If he finished between 11 and 15th, it would, it would vest at 17.5. But it's a club option for 16. He's not going to hit any of those. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I, think, I think it's safe to say he's not hitting either <laughs> yeah. of those this year. Right. Even if, he, even, even if he was healthy, he wasn't getting anywhere near that. But – yeah, I think Vargas is one of those prospects that can make that transition a little easier than most because of the, the high contact skill is a good approach. He's a very advanced bat, always has been. Like he's never really struggled anywhere he's gone. 2018, he hit 330. 2019, 308. 2021, 319. And this year is actually his lowest batting average over a season at 291, which obviously is still very good. 382 is definitely within the realm possibility for Miguel Vargas. I think very good fantasy option moving forward. We'll just see how that how it plays out this year with the uh, with the playing time, especially when Turner gets back. That'll be very interesting. Moving over to Cleveland, there was a couple of call ups here. To two, I don't think we could pick two prospects, Chris, that are farther apart in terms of their profiles. Right? We got Tyler Freeman, middle infielder, high contact. You know, rest of the, the power speed is, you know, a question mark. Then you have Will Benson, who I've always kind of liked ever back to his days uh, in the Atlanta Braves organization. I love, love that power speed blend, but he had a hard time making contact. I'll give you, if you combined Will Benson and Tyler Freeman, that'd be a really, really good uh, all run offensive prospect. But they both get the call here. First three games for Freeman, he's two for eight, a couple of walks, no strikeouts yet. And that's no surprise this year. In AAA, Columbus, 280, 371, 364. Six home runs, six steals, 25 walks, 32K. So, again, he hits for a lot of average. He started off kind of sluggish, picked it up in the last couple of months, the average at least. Good OBP guy as well, but who knows if he's ever more than 10 home runs, 10 steals. I don't really see a lot of power speed there. On the other hand, though, Will Benson in AAA this year, 89 games, 401 plate appearances, 279, 426, 522 with 20 doubles, 17 home runs, and 16 steals, 75 walks to 91 Ks. And this is a guy, even with that, is a 222 career minor league hitter, albeit with a 350 OBP because he's a very high walk rate in his minor league career. But in his first 12 plate appearances, 0 for 11, one walk, six strikeouts. So not a great start for Will Benson, but. What are your thoughts, Chris, on these two? You know, I guess which which one would you be willing to buy in more so for for dynasty purposes? That's tough. I mean, Benson made some strides this year in the contact department, 
And that was encouraging. I think Freeman is probably the safer bet. And, you know, it's funny as you, you know, in the minors, at least before Freeman was called up, it's like he was struggling. And when I was ready to kind of write him off, like he got hot again and started hitting, you know, between June and July, hit 309 with four home runs. That's not going to enforce on basis. So the counting stats aren't like overwhelmingly good, but he's, he's just going to be a guy that I think just like you said, maybe 10, 10, maybe 15, 15, but there's a pretty safe average there. And I do think there's some value to be had as well with the type of contact that he makes. I'm not sure Freeman grows into much more power at this point. I mean, there's always a chance, but he's 23 years old it's, it's really tough to kind of peg, like, where does he max out at? We know he's going to be a, an elite hitter. He's going to hit for high average. He's an elite contact type guy. So that doesn't worry me a bit. The ground balls do scare me a hair, but he's got speed. You know, it's kind of conducive to getting on base to an extent. So if he can get the ball in the air enough, I think there's you know some extra bases to be had, get to some home runs, but I – I don't know. I don't feel comfortable saying he ever hits more than 15 in a season. You know, he's one that kind of sprays doubles to all fields, and that's fine. Like I think there is value to be had in Freeman's profile, but it's not in a high-end profile per se. So I, I think that's important to understand with Tyler Freeman is that you know what you're going to get, and it's just kind of okay. If you need batting average, it's kind of okay. It can play. Benson's like the – T-total opposite where you have the power and even intriguing speed. He cut the strikeout rate pretty significantly this year. And last year in AAA, he had a 39.3% strikeout rate. In AA last year, it was 31.3. And this year in AAA, he had cut that to 22.7% in 401 plate appearances. So that's obviously going to need to stick. Like He's going to need to be a sub-30% strikeout guy in order to make a fantasy impact, in my opinion. So otherwise, he's just not going to hit for enough average. But the power speed is very intriguing with Will Benson. Yeah, I'm not sure which one I'd want to go after more. I mean, I kind of drift a little bit to Benson's side just because he has a lot more impact in the bat. Like Tyler Freeman, I don't even know if 15-15 is there, to be honest with you. like He kind of reminds me of a, you know, some poor man's version of a combo between Adam Frazier and Luis Ares, which is, I mean, it'll play. He'll probably have a, you know, 10 plus year major league careers because of the hit tool alone. But I just don't see a lot of impact there. I mean, maybe a, a streamer uh, every now and then, or somebody you pick up when, you know, for a week or two when he's hot and you have, maybe you have a guy in the IL or something like that. But uh, yeah, he's definitely safer. That is, that is for sure. Like no question about that. Cause you look up until this year, Benson's always shown that good power speed blend to at least to some degree, but there's just so many strikeouts, so little average, even 2021, which was mostly in double A, but about a month in triple A as well. End of the season, he had 221 in double A last year, 161 in triple A. Combine that 206 average over 107 games. 2020, he hit 140. 140. Wait a minute. Sorry, that's the independent league. 2019. I take, take that out. 2019, he hit 230. 2018, he hit 180. It's the list goes on and on. He has made, like you mentioned, some good strides there. The walk rate obviously is, remains elite. K rate is down. 
you know, below 25%. Yeah, even if he can just stick at 30%, be a 230 guy with that power speed, I think that will be more impactful than Freeman hitting 270, 280 with very little impact elsewhere. So I guess I will lean Will Benson. As I just hope that some of these improvements he made in AAA this year can stick, even, even if they don't fully stick, which I don't expect them to. Even if he said 30% K rate, 230 type of guy, that power speed will play for sure. And then sticking in Cleveland real quick, Chris, you know, the latest news that came across today out of Cleveland, they DFA'd Fran Mill Reyes. You know, they optioned him to AAA recently, which made sense. You know, get your head right. He's been struggling mightily this year in terms of both hitting for average and basically everything he was struggling at. Quality of contact metrics are still pretty solid and, you know, hard hit rate, barrel rates, all that jazz. But 37.1% K rate, only a 5% walk rate. Both of those are career worse by a pretty significant margin. Now, previous career lows for him were a 32% K rate last year and 8.4% walk rate back in 2018. So by far the worst strikeout minus walk rate of his career. And even though the quality of contact metrics are still pretty solid, just the power, only nine home runs and 280 plate appearances because just the contact skills in general were just so piss poor. And obviously... He's not going to have any value right anytime soon after being DFA'd. But do you think there's any, any, you know, should anybody want to buy low, buy at all on Framo Reyes, even in deeper leagues? Obviously, this, we're talking about deeper leagues at this point. But do you still see any value to be squeezed out of Reyes moving forward? Not unless he goes to Colorado, but <laughs> I mean, who knows? They'd screw him up. I mean, they'd find a way to mess him up, I'm sure. So it's, you never know with, with him, but. It was interesting. I didn't think they would DFA him. I thought he needed a reset in AAA, which they optioned him. He was on the taxi squad, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know. I at least want to see where he lands, but maybe he just needs a, a fresh start somewhere. So he he could. He could have value, but right now it's just kind of I'm not buying in. Watch watch the Dodgers pick him up or something like that. Or no, the Padres will as like a counter to the Dodgers getting Gallo or something. I don't know. <laughs> Everybody just goes, all these guys just go to the Dodgers or Padres at this point anyway. So though the Yankees could be intrigued. You know, they already have enough yeah. DH types. They yeah. Don't, they don't have another DH type. I don't know. Who knows where he goes, but I'm sure someone will give, give him a shot just because of the power. Like we're talking, talking about a guy that just last year had 30 home runs, 85 RBI. 2019, 37 home run and 81 RBI. He was kind of settling as like a 250-ish hitter. He even hit 275 in the shortened 2020 year. So I think someone will give him a shot. Uh, maybe maybe a small market team. But I, I don't think we've seen the last of Reyes. But yeah, I don't see any reason to look his way in Dynasty Leagues anytime soon. Keeping it in the American League Central. Another promotion that I like a lot that doesn't get as much publicity as it probably should michael massey kansas city royals kansas city's done a pretty solid job developing hitting prospects of late and massey just continues to fly under the radar he was a solid yet unspectacular performer at illinois in college made him a uh, fourth round pick in the 2019 draft but look at what he's done in the minor leagues especially the last two years in 2021 99 games in high A, slash 289, 351, 531, 27 doubles, 21 home runs, 12 steals, only caught two times. Solid, you know, approach as well. 2022 between double A AA and triple A, 
391 plate appearances, 312, 371, 532, 28 home runs, 16, excuse me, 28 doubles, 16 home runs, 13 steals, only caught twice. Again, another solid approach as well. He's just really good all around. Like he's got, I think he's got a, a similar profile to Bryson Stott, but with an even better hit tool and a little more speed as well. Like I think long term, it wouldn't surprise me if you look back, you know, or fast forward ten years from now, that Michael Massey is the better fantasy performer. And I like Bryson Stott a good a good amount still, but Massey is super underrated. He was a little old for the levels. I get it wasn't a high draft pick. All those things kind of factored in, but. I think there's a chance you can get some really sneaky fantasy production out of him, and he's got to get a chance to play every day here with Whit Merrifield out of town. I used to play, you know, obviously Whit Merrifield wasn't playing second base primarily, but you got to get him. Actually, Whit, actually, Whit was playing. He wasn't playing much outfield this year, was he? Yeah, he's he a little. Yeah, I mean, it just depended. I think he was mostly at second. But yeah, he was mostly at second. He was so with some reps in the outfield. Yeah, but with that second base spot open now, I think you're get a long leash for Michael Massey to show what he can do. And I think there's a really solid all around profile. So a great sneaky buy right now in in redraft and dynasty leagues. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think Massey's very underrated. He doesn't have the flashy tools that you think about when you're looking for a hitting prospect. So in that standpoint, he gets a little bit underrated, but the profile is really well-rounded, you know, well-rounded enough where I think he hits for enough power to be fantasy relevant, probably, you know, average to slightly below average game power. So you're looking at somewhere in the 15 to 18 home run range over a full season. If I had to guess, and he's not the fastest runner, but he does have good instincts on the bases, which is going to allow him to steal bags. He's already stolen one in the majors, which is good to see. So you're looking at a high contact hitter, similar to Tyler Freeman, but just with a little more pop, and probably similar stolen base output. So I'm a I'm big fan of what he can do. I will say Freeman probably has a better hit tool, but I wouldn't be surprised if the outputs are pretty similar long-term between Michael Massey and Tyler Freeman. I actually I think it's going to be Massey by a solid margin. I don't think the – I think there's a small advantage for Freeman in, in terms of hit tool and average – but I think there's a bigger gap in terms of power. Obviously, Massey's not a huge power speed guy, but I think Freeman honestly is like 10 home run, maybe 10, 10. I think Massey's probably like, yeah, 15 to 18 and, and 12 to 15. There's like a bit more category juice there. And I might, I might even be a little generous on Freeman. I'm just not bullish on the power speed at all. I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he single digits for both. That really wouldn't surprise me. I think we could see double the power speed overall for Massey. I said 20, maybe 20 and 10. I think he could have get up into that range at peak, see how that power plays. But yeah, I'd, I'd much rather personally go after Michael Massey than Tyler Freeman. But next here, we go over to the AL West. A very intriguing prospect. He's all this guy's always been very intriguing, but the hit tool has just not been there consistently. Talking about Bubba Thompson from the Texas Rangers. You look at the speed has always been there. He had 32 steals. In 84 games in low A in 2018, he had 12 steals in 57 games in high A in 2019, 25 last year in double A in 104 games, and this year he started running wild, 49 steals in 80 games, only caught three times. Is it a over 80% success rate in terms of stealing bases for his entire minor league career? But this is the average, this is very fluctuant, but last couple of years, 275. 
304 this year, albeit the approach is pretty aggressive. But, Chris, this is a guy that even if he hits 230 to 240, which I think is within their own possibility, could be like a 15-homer, 25-30 steal guy. Like That's the upside he has, and maybe the hit tool doesn't allow him to ever get there. But just in terms of that 15-30 potential you know, ceiling, he's very intriguing for fantasy purposes. Yeah, I think he probably is a 240-type hitter at the big league level. But the power and speed is interesting. His contact rates just aren't there, and it's going to hurt him, I think, in the batting average department. And he did cut the strikeout rate this year in AAA, which was encouraging, down from last year. But I don't know. I don't know what kind of output we actually get. He's already stolen two bases since he's been promoted, which is interesting. But hasn't walked yet, and we'll see 11, only 11 plate appearances, but he does have an 18% strikeout rate. Small sample, but I do want to see what he has. Like, I think the Rangers should see what he has too because I think the bat is semi-intriguing, and there are enough tools where if the contact rates do slightly improve and he can keep that strikeout rate near 25%, which is manageable, then there's an intriguing bat here for sure with Bubba Thompson. Yeah, it's, it's all about the hit tool. It's all about the approach, as it is with everybody for the most part, but especially him. But yeah, that upside is, is very exciting if he can just hit enough to unlock that power speed. Like 15-30 is definitely in the realm possibility. That's a high, it's a higher percentage outcome, obviously, but just to have that as a possible outcome. And you said he's already stolen two bags in his first three games here. Zero walks, two straight. Only has two hits, but... He's just showing that speed especially could be impact for fantasy purposes. And we all know how much everybody loves to go get speed. So Bubba Thompson definitely wanted to keep an eye on here moving forward, see how the how the hit tool looks and how he looks at the plate overall. Last promotion here, Peyton Burdick got called up by Miami, but we're not really going to talk Peyton Burdick because I don't think he's overly exciting for fantasy purposes. He's hit under 230 each of the last two years, albeit with some power and, and a little touch of speed but the bigger kind of news to go along with that is the demotion of jesus sanchez who was you know he wasn't i guess okay i guess he yes he was terrible this year i, I was trying to sugarcoat it but 205 271 387 slash line in 325 plate appearances this season with 12 home runs 33 rbi 36 runs scored and one steal you know some of the metrics chris are still okay like you look at the profile the metrics aren't terrible, right? The quality of contact is still, you know, above average. The approach actually isn't terrible. It's actually gotten better in terms of the K rate has come down each of the last two years. Walker rate has gone down as well, but 7.4% isn't terrible. Some of the, you know, the whiff and chase rates are higher than you'd like to see, but zone contact is, you know, barely below league average. You know, So a lot of things here point to him not being quite as bad as he kind of has shown at the surface. But where are you at on Sanchez? Do you, are you kind of souring on him? Does he fall into that cluster of disappointing young outfielders with like Josh Lowe and Marsh and Adele and all them? Do you fall into there for you, or is he someone you look up to go acquire right now in Dynasty League? So his value's low. Well, I never really got in on the hype. Like he was getting pretty hyped preseason. I just never was there with Jesus Sanchez. You know, the strikeouts were concerning, hits the ball on the ground a lot, the contact, meh. So. There were some concerning things to me where I was just not willing to go crazy high on him. And, and he had his moments early season where he was he showed some signs of brilliance, 
But overall, just very subpar, I guess I'd say. And the contact rate's just not there. And I don't know. I mean, the average EV was okay. You know, 89.5 this year, down from last year. Max was pretty high at 114.7. His max EV was, you know, 96 percentile, which is good. But everything else is just kind of not there with him. So you have to wonder, like, what kind of batting average is he going to hit for? Chases a good bit. He whiffs a lot. There's just not a lot in the profile that screams, like, fantasy-relevant bat to me. And that's a pretty, honestly, similar like similar profile to Peyton Burdick. Burdick has big raw power. Hit tool's terrible. You know, nearly a 60% contact rate in AAA. That's horrific, by the way. For I mean, like minor league average is like seventy percent. He's it's sixty percent. That's that's bad. I, I just don't see either of these guys really painting out. Burdick's got interesting power and speed. I think Sanchez has interesting power, but this is like a Marlins trend almost, where they just get these guys that can hit for power, but just can't hit the ball in general. So I think you have to think about that. And you know, the Marlins track record of development has not been great. By any means, I mean, this. I'd say the jury's still out on Jazz. Like, Jazz has been pretty good, but a lot of these prospect bats they've had over the last five years have just been these guys with big power and and nothing else, really. And so Sanchez and Burdick kind of fall into that for me. Yeah, I was – I've always – I liked Sanchez a bit. I thought that the power was there to be like a 30-homer bat, and I think it still could be. But, yeah, like, where does he hit average-wise? I think – you know, he still could, and even this year, he was on, you know, about a, at least a 25 homer pace this year. And overall, in 605 plate appearances in his career, he has 26 home runs, 71 RBI, but 217 average. And this is over, you know, roughly a full season worth of plate appearances at this point. You know, 286 OBP is not great. You know, the slugs 415, ISOs 298, 198 for his career. It was 182 this year. But I don't know. I just wonder, and without having really any speed element in his profile, he's going to have to hit for power and at least a serviceable batting average that doesn't kill you. And I just wonder if he can do both of those things, you know, being hit for power, 30, you know, 25, 30 home runs and hit for like at least 240 average. Can he do both of those? Is it one or the other? I don't know. I don't know if he can find that middle ground. So I, don't, I, I still kind of lump him into that group, and I was just formulating a tweet here from our, our show account on Twitter, and this the kind of disappointing young outfielders list of guys that used to be top prospects. It's, it's growing right now. It's, I put Jesus Sanchez, Brandon Marsh, Joe Adele, Josh Lowe. You got to put Jared Kelnick in there, at least right now. Probably one or two I'm forgetting, but it's a lot of these guys that just have not panned out, and you look and – What's the one kind of consistent thing through all, all of their profiles? It's low contact rates and, for the most part, higher strikeout rates as well. And that's why you look at some of these guys that might not be quite as sexy, like a Michael Massey, for instance, who don't have the same lofty power speed as a lot of these guys I just mentioned. Oftentimes, those guys end up panning out more than these guys do just because making contact when a hitter making contacts the name of the game. And yeah, it's great. And when you can launch batting practice home runs, like Joe Adele put on one of the best batting practice plays I've ever seen back in the, before the fall stars game, 2019 Arizona fall league, he was just hitting absolute tanks to all fields, like 450 foot bombs, even the opposite way. But you know, if you can't make contact, that is just, you can't, you can't do anything. So 
yeah, I, I know. I think Sanchez is a guy that if I could get him for a super cheap, like almost free, I would I throw a fly on him just because the upside. Maybe he can get there to be a good power bat for my team long term. But I, I just don't think that the price tag's fallen that much yet. So I'm I'm kind of not out, but you know, I'm definitely fading Sanchez a good bit here moving forward. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the performance package, a ton of new tools for your shed. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Just use the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. The, the Performance 4.0 package by Manscaped has arrived, and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you will find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear, nose, and hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, the Crop Reviver toner, the Performer boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer of the future, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. I'm blown away by the performance and craftsmanship of this trimmer. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their skin-safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 4,000K LED spotlight you need for a more precise shave. Because it's waterproof, you can use it in the shower, so say goodbye to that mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was great, but the, four, the 4.0 package also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof, and it also provides proprietary skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The Crop Preserver Below-the-Waist Deodorant and Crop Reviver Below-the-Waist Toner will change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. Manscaped even throws in two free gifts for you, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and your boxers to another level. It's time to take your care of yourself and go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping using the code toolshed. It's not too late. This deal is great for you to get some new tools for your shed. So use the code toolshed and get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. All right. Welcome back from the break. We had a couple of major league arms to talk about here before we get into our prospect standouts that we always get to every Monday show. Let's start in Atlanta with Ian Anderson, who was just recently demoted. They brought Huascar Inoa back up, Anderson down to AAA. I don't think that should come as much of a surprise. Anderson has just not been good this year. 21 starts, 105 and two-thirds innings, 5.11 ERA, 154 whip, 11.3% walk rate, and a 19.8% strikeout rate. You know, Chris, I'll throw it over to you. You're the Atlanta Brave expert in the room here. It's probably you've probably seen more Anderson than I have this year. So has he let's start with this. Has he been as bad as those stats I just listed indicate? And is he a guy that you'd be willing to buy low right now? Or is he just gonna be some guy that kind of always underwhelms for fantasy moving forward? I think he's probably a bit underwhelming. Overall I wouldn't say he's pitched as bad as the numbers say. He's had several bad starts where he just doesn't have the stuff, and it's cost him. He had several good starts down the stretch, but 
it, it doesn't really mean much when it's against the Diamondbacks and the, the Nationals. No offense if you're a fan of those teams, but the lineups just aren't there. So Anderson is interesting. Really, the biggest thing is the changeup. And the changeup still has a good whiff rate on it this year. You know, 36%, higher than last year, actually. Allowing some more hits with it. He has allowed five home runs on it, which I think has hurt him a bit. That's obviously been an issue. The four-seam fastball has been subpar as well. Last year, the four-seamer had a 216 batting average against and just a 349 slug, and that's jumped to a 313 batting average and a 447 slug for Anderson. So that's obviously been a disappointment. He's getting whiffs, which is interesting. Like The whiff rate on all of his pitches is up from last year, which I do find interesting, but he's just not striking guys out. He never has. If I had to guess, I would say that he should be pitching closer to like a 24% strikeout rate than sub 20. Like I find that interesting. He's always hovered around 10% walk rate, but 11.5 just hasn't been great. You know, overall, I wouldn't say he's been horrific. I think there's a decent buying opportunity. I think a lot of it's just mental at this point. So right now, I think he needs a chance to reset his mind. You know, is not going to start like the Braves have a short week where they're off Monday and Thursday there's a doubleheader Saturday Anderson's actually going to pitch that I mean he's on the taxi squad so he's going to pitch that and then he's going to go AAA so I don't think you know it's going to get a start they have Odorizzi they have five starters with Odorizzi so I would guess you know it's just kind of long relief in case somebody has a blow up and they need someone to come in early that's kind of you know his role because he hasn't been good at all honestly like no. Muller everybody's screaming for Kyle Muller like let's just put it out there like he hurt his hand and he hasn't pitched since July 14th. So that's obviously something worth mentioning too is like obviously everybody wants to see Muller, but he had a, a hand injury and he's going to test it out. I think he's pitching Saturday as well of this week in AAA. So Muller could be up in time if Anderson doesn't pan out per se, but there's a reason Muller didn't get the call instead of you know what. So that's that's worth noting. Yeah, for sure. And at some point, Soroka will factor in, maybe not this year, but yeah. you gotta think he might be back in the rotation next year. So it's a good a good problem to have. A lot of depth there. I don't know how long older is he signed through. I don't know. I haven't looked at that. But yeah, this this over this isn't surprising. With, with their addition of Oda Rizzi at the deadline, I was kind of like, all right, when's the Anderson like Phantom IL stint or demotion come? So I don't know if I'd I'd buy Lolly. I think he's better than this. But I don't think – I don't know. He's not as good as – I don't think he was early on in his career either. I think he's more, you know, mid-four ERA, 22 – I do believe the K rate should come back up. Like you mentioned, the whiff rates have still been pretty solid in all of his offerings. Overall, that's kind of in line with last year when he was 23.2%. So I think he can get back to that range. But with a low to mid-four ERA, so that's still – you know, worth rostering, but that's more like, you know, top 75 arm. I just don't think he's getting back to that top, you know, 30 to 40 range where he kind of was valued at uh, about a year, year and a half ago. I just don't think that's there. Who would you rather buy low on right now, Chris, Ian Anderson or Trevor Rogers? Crazy enough. I think Anderson, I just haven't seen anything in Rogers to make me interested in him. I mean, Anderson, Maybe it's the bias that I, I see him more often, but I don't know. I just I feel a little bit better about getting Ian Anderson at this point. I'll 
probably lean Rogers, but at the same time, I don't know if I want to go and buy either of these nah, two right nah. now. Like I, I think with Rogers, I think we've seen a little more upside with Rogers. So maybe that might lean me that way. And, you know, he's been, you know, at, at times this year, he's been decent, but just a lot of blow ups in the middle of that. I think he's got better stuff a little bit overall, but I don't know. I, I'm not sure either of those two would be and anybody I'd be really, you know, hauling buns to go get in dynasty leagues. The other pitcher here that I wanted to talk about today, Logan Gilbert, it's been some talk about him. You know, people have been posting his savant sliders on Twitter, which first off, savant sliders don't tell the whole entire picture. Those are just fun little, you know, blue and red balls to look at for them for the most part. But, you know, I'm actually in the middle of writing an article that has Logan Gilbert in it. And I'm recommending him as a dynasty sell right now as we get down the stretch here in 2022, you know, after a, you know, a solid end to his rookie campaign last year, he had like a sub three ERA over his last six starts in September. And I think a lot of people expected that next step forward to happen this year. And it certainly has, you know, through 22 starts, 3.09 ERA, 118 whip, a 22.7% strikeout rate and a 6.8% walk rate. But when you look under the hood, it's just a lot of metrics that don't signal, you know, like top 25 arm. And I think that's how he's being valued right now. Top 25, top 30 arm, like an SP2 for 15 teamers, high end SP3 for 12 teamers. I just think he's, that's being a bit blown out of proportion, his value. If you look at, he gets hit hard. Both the exit velocity and hard hit rate are in the bottom 3% of baseball right now. The K rate is okay that is slightly below league average which is around excuse me actually slightly above it's 22 percent is league average but so he's right around league average in terms of the k rate but at the same time he doesn't have any big whiff rate offerings the top whiff rate pitch he has is 30.5 percent this is changeup, which is his least used offering at 7.9 percent curveball is 24 6 slider 22 1 four-seamer 23-6, and he gets more whiffs than most do on the four-seamer, but just the arsenal in general, it's good. Like, the profile is good. I'm not saying he's bad, but, you know, well below average whiff rate overall. Chase rate's below average as well when compared to the rest of the pitchers in the league. I just – I don't know if I see, like, the big strikeout rate coming, and a lot of his ERA indicators are, you know, 3.8 to 4.3. XERA is 4.25, which is actually kind of in line with what it was last year. So I wonder if he's more in kind of line where Jose Barrios was for, you know, several years, you know, like upper, you know, mid to upper three ERA, you know, low 20% strikeout rate. I think that K rate right now can stick, but I think that ERA is going to be, you know, half a run to, you know, up in the three, six, three, seven range moving forward. So, I think he's a good sell high right now. I just think the value is just a bit high. Again, I don't think he's bad. I think he's going to be a solid, good pitcher for a long time. But I think he's he's being valued as more than that. So that right there means he's, he's at least for me, he's a sell high. But what are your thoughts on Gilbert here? Are you buying what we've seen from him? Or are you kind of in the similar line of thinking as I am, Chris? He's a, a tough one. I would be more apt to hold him. Then sell him. I, I think there are some concerning things, and you've kind of walked through it pretty well. I really think that we see him get back to more strikeouts, and I, I think that's a concern right now, the low strikeout rate. But I think his command's pretty good. He has been getting hit kind of hard. 
I think we see him get more whiffs in time, and I do think the strikeout rate ticks back up. I think he's a – I'm not sure how high, but I think he's a 25 to 26% strikeout rate. With his walk rate, that's going to put him close to a 20% K minus BB, which is really good. The ERA has been really good. I know the indicators are higher. He's allowed some hard hits. I understand that. But in general, I think that he's going to I – don't, I don't think Gilbert's going to be an ace. I don't, I don't think that. But I think Gilbert's just going to be a solid number two. Like, kind of reminds me a bit of like a Max Freed when he was a little bit younger. I'm not saying he's going to develop into Max Freed. And honestly, like most people value him probably not far behind Max Freed and Dynasty at this point. Yeah. But I don't know. It's an interesting profile. I, I would like to see him use the fastball less. Like, I think that's going to be a big thing. Like, I'd like to see him use the secondaries a bit more. That's going to be a huge sticking factor for him moving forward. And he's actually using the four seam, you know, more than ever this month. I know it's a small sample still, but I would like to see that take a hit below. Like right now, like let, let's throw the four seam below 50% and let's up the secondaries. I think the secondaries have the potential to be good. I need to use them more. So that'll be a big thing. But I think that, you know, obviously his first full year in, in the majors, it's been good. And I think he's got something to build on moving forward so i'm not necessarily in the boat of sell i I think i'd rather at least hold because i think there's you know maybe more value to be had unless you're getting a good offer like if you could sell him for a max freed and you're contending like i probably would it just depends on what you get i guess and that's kind of the case for a lot of guys in general so yeah i'm i'm not out on selling but i'm only selling if you get like a a great sell high yeah, that, that's a good point. I wouldn't be just looking to get rid of him. Uh, it's not kind of what I was hinting at, but I do think you. I think you could get someone similar to like a Max Fried in value right now. And I agree. I think he's probably being valued similarly to to Max Fried. But I, I think they're similar. But I have a lot more confidence in Max Fried maintaining an ERA around three than I do with Logan Gilbert. Just from what I've seen with Max Fried. So and maybe yeah, maybe Gilbert does have a slightly higher K rate moving forward, but. I feel a lot safer about Max Free. You don't see a lot of these, you know, the ERA metrics being a lot higher with him like you do with Gilbert. So, yeah, I just look to see if you can get a good va- good deal on him. I definitely agree with that. But I just don't think he's – I think he's more like a top 30 to 40 arm. I think he gets value closer to like top 20. So, if you can get a good value for him right now, at least I personally would look to uh, look to do that. But, yeah, just don't get rid of him. He's going to be a good arm for a long time. I think there's a lot of good in that profile. So definitely don't just give him away for free, obviously. And before we move on from Gilbert, has anybody seen Logan Gilbert and Yancey Eaton in the same room? Do they look, Is it me or do they look a little similar? Like they could be like brothers or something. That is funny. I've never never really noticed if I could see it. You, you, can, you can see it, though? Yeah. Okay, I was like, I was looking. At, I I had like I I noticed that the other day I was like looking into to Gilbert a little bit on Savant and look at his you know both the little headshot they have then the little background they have of him pitching kind of right behind it. I was like, man, like if Yancey grew his hair out a bit there, that could be they'd be very close. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but at least I'm not crazy. At least you see it a little bit. So, all right, moving over to our prospect standouts here. We got eight nine players total here five hitters and a hand and a couple pitchers here let's start in tampa bay with kyle manzardo this is a guy that i'll admit i underrank i've probably continued to underrank him more than i should have but that'll be corrected next update i think he 
definitely is in top 50 discussion. I know others have already moved him up into that range. Look at what he's done really the entire year, but especially over the last month. Look at the last month in 81 plate appearances in high A, 373, 481, 836 slash line. Yes, 836 slug there. Seven doubles, eight home runs, and more walks than strikeout. 17.3% walk rate and a 14.8% strikeout rate. For the entire year, 275 player appearances, 329, 436, 636. 16 doubles, 17 home runs, 16.4% walk rate, 16.7% strikeout rate. So only one more strikeout than walk. You know, just listing off those stats, Chris, that sounds very similar to what Vinny P was doing. I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Vinny P, but there's a lot of similarities in that profile. You know, good hit tool, good approach, you know, solid but not like spectacular power. And this is kind of similar to what he did in, in college at, at Washington, which is doing putting up these types of numbers. So he just continues to rake and get on base everywhere he goes. So I think he's due more love than he's he's gotten so far in fantasy circles. Yeah, he's almost walking more than he strikes out. I um, mean, he's whiffing. He's got an 8% swinging strike rate, which is just stupid good. The contact rate around 80% is really good. So I think Manzardo's a dude – I saw him a couple times this year, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he'll be in town again this week in Greenville to look at the schedule. But anyway, he's got monster power too. I think the power gets underrated with Manzardo where he's really good. Like at the, the hit tool is undeniably good, and I think the power's trending towards plus. I really do, and yeah. I think he's not valued as such. The OBP skills are elite. Like I bumped Manzardo to 40 in my OBP rankings last update. Like that makes sense. Yeah. He, yeah. I mean, he's stellar for OBP and you could argue he could go even higher. Doesn't have much speed, but his swing generates easy loft. He doesn't hit the ball on the ground often. A lot of fly balls and line drives. His swing's very conducive to high batting average and the power's really good too. So I'm a big Kyle Manzardo fan. I really like what I've seen in him this year. And I just think he's still a bit undervalued in Dynasty where you can probably get him a lot cheaper than he's worth at this point. Yeah, we saw how quickly Vinny P moved up rankings last year. And, you know, Manzardo already is. So get on get on this train before it gets to, like, top 25 levels. I moved him up, and you'll see this if you're a 70-grade tier member of our Patreon. I moved him up to 53 right now, and that probably is going to keep – going higher before my next update in, I don't know, three weeks or so, whenever that may be. So, yeah, Manzardo is absolutely legit. And, yeah, he's very, very safe. Like, the hit tool, the approach, the power, it's all just really good across the board. Doesn't have any speed, obviously. He's a first-base DH-only type of guy. But he could be – a this could be, like, a top-10 fantasy first baseman in time. You know, 280 guy, high OBP, 25 home runs or so. Kind of similar to – I think I'm – saying he's Vinny P. I think he's a little bit behind Vinny P overall, but long-term, there might not be a big gap there. That's for sure. Next on the list here, Davison De Los Santos. Guy that's kind of been getting a lot more hype this year. You know, the hype train started with him last year. It really has picked up this year, and it's really picked it up over the last, you know, last month or so. He's actually getting 402 over the last month. And 104 plate appearances with a 433 OBP, 619 slug, four doubles, five home runs, 5.8% walk rate, 25% K rate. So the approach isn't 
eh, it still needs some work. Let's put it that way. But for the season, 410 point appearances, he's up to 336, 373, 528, 20 doubles, 16 home runs, five steals, 5.9% walk rate, and 24.6% strikeout rate. Where are you at on De Los Santos, Chris? Do you think he's top 100 now? I think I kind of have him like right around 100. You know, I like just good power in the profile, good contact skills, you know, a touch of speed. At least he's not a zero speed wise, but that approach is still pretty aggressive. But so he's only 19 years old, plenty of time to correct it, but pretty impressive. But what, what are your thoughts on De Los Santos? Yeah, I think he's proved that he should be in the top 100, but probably that back end for me, his plate skills are questionable. He He's very aggressive swinger at that. And I think that does hurt him a bit. I don't know. He's a, he's a tough one to evaluate because he puts the ball on the ground so much. Like if he starts hitting more line drives and fly balls, he's already got the power that we've seen. And the, the raw power is really undeniable. He says to show consistent contact, you know, clean up the plate approach a bit. And I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what he can be. I'd like to see what he does it consistently at high A now. I mean, he's been tearing it up so far in 61 plate appearances, but I need to see a little more. But his performance has been worthy of top 100, in my opinion, what he's done this year. I like him, but I think that he – I don't know. There's question marks still, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So you're, you're not, like, fully buying in, right? You're, like, partially Halfway, buying in? yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, got, you, got, you got one foot in the door, so to speak. Okay, I'm kind of I'm kind of there with you. Yeah, there's definitely a very intriguing profile, but still some warts to to work on here. The next guy is a guy that came into the year probably 200 ish spots behind Brennan Davis in terms of prospect rankings, but I think this is a guy that even maybe by my next update could be ranked higher than Brennan Davis. That's Alexander Canario. 22-year-old outfield prospect for the Chicago Cubs. Used to be in the San Francisco Giants organization. Came over to the Cubs. He's in double-A right now and just absolutely demolishing the baseball here over the last month. And 84 plate appearances, 348, 488. Get ready for this. 848 slug. Yes, that's a 500 ISO on the nose. Six doubles, nine home runs, seven steals. 17 walks to 16 Ks, which equates to a 20.2% walk rate, 19% K rate. That pushes his season's line, which was he started off a little slow, but overall up to 261, 343, 560, 299 ISO, 24 doubles, 26 home runs, 13 steals, 10.4% walk rate, 28.2% K rate. So he was striking out a ton earlier in the year. So to see that walk rate come up almost double over the last month, see that K rate come down about 10% as well, while still maintaining that nice power speed blend that he has, it's been very encouraging here. But how high do you think Canario can rise, Chris? you think he's a guy that could maybe be top 50 by end of season? Yeah, I think so. He's been kind of proving his worth. Like him and Kelvin, Kevin Alcantara have both been really good. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them both vault up. And they're both guys – you know, somebody asked me in the Discord who I thought could be like the next James Wood, like Jackson Churio guys that really pop up. And honestly, both Canario and Alcantara could be. And you know, Canario has probably impressed me, you know, equally as much as Alcantara. He's been really proving his worth here in Double A, and especially over the last month or so. Like you mentioned, he's really come on strong. And since June first, two eighty two average, fourteen home runs, and nine stolen bases over that time. 
And then since July, as you mentioned, that average up to 341 with nine home runs and seven stolen bases. So summer months kick in and Canario is just doing his thing. I've always liked the profile. Yeah, he's not really been a, a toolsy standout, but he, he does have the tools to get the job done in a lot of areas. So I like Canario a lot as a riser. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot now because it's something I like to do on this show often, <laughs> as people know. I got, I got a question here for you, Chris. Long term, let's, let's fast forward, you know, it's good, a good five, six years down the road because, you know, Contra still a year or two, a couple years away. Out of these three, Kevin O'Contra, Brennan Davis, and Alexander Canario, rank them. Who will be the best, the better fantasy asset out of those three? Rank them one through three. Oh, that's tough. <laughs> How many years down the road did you say five? Yeah, so like, yeah, five or six. Give, yeah. give, so that gives Alcantara a good, you know, at least two years, two, three years in the majors. Yeah. And Canario does possess similar concerns to Davis, I guess, with the swing and miss. Even though it has improved a bit this year, ugh, I still think Davis has the most upside of the group. And I think Davis is a decent buy low right now, just because, you know, people have kind of faded him a bit. But I will go Davis, Canario, Alcantara. It's close, though. All right. I'll answer it now because it won't be fair if I just put you in the spot and answer <laughs> it myself. Man, every, I, I've made my, my concerns about Davis very vocal. I've been, that's, it's tough. Why did, I, why did I ask this question? This is really tough. <laughs> I apologize, Chris. That was a good one, though. It, it is, isn't it? Because they're all kind of like different levels and different experience. Man, I still think I'll probably go Alcantara one. I still think he has the highest upside, and he's he's showing some some gains as a as a natural hitter. So maybe he might have the lowest floor of these three. But I'll just go him slightly as one. I'll go I'll still go Davis two, Canario three. But honestly, I could see that going one through three any which way. They're all very talented. Each have some of their the issues they got to work on, but. There could be a, a potentially be a very exciting outfield for the Chicago Cubs within the next handful of years. All right. Another outfielder here in the National League Central to talk about. Sal Frelick, 22 years old, former first round draft pick. Over the last that's the season stats here. I'm gonna go to the right tab here. Over the last month, 363, 426, 520, over 117 plate appearances, seven doubles, three home runs, six steals, more walks and strikeouts, eleven to ten. That's a 9.4% walk rate, only an 8.5% strikeout rate, which is very, very nice. For the season, 315, 386, 462 slash on, and 371 plate appearances. 19 doubles, 4 triples, 7 home runs, 16 steals, 9.4% walk rate, so very consistent there, and only a 12.9% strikeout rate. Obviously, he doesn't have that huge power, more of a you know 40-grade power guy. Maybe he's 12 home runs in that range, 10 to 15, probably probably 15 being his peak, but potential for 20 plus steals, pretty good average in OBP as well. So is he a guy that's getting slept on? Do you think Chris for fantasy purposes? Yeah, I, I had my doubts about him coming out of the draft, but he's really, I mean, I knew he could hit, like there was no denying the hit, but what kind of power he got to, I guess was the question. And he just performed just for a second. I just want to talk about how crowded this triple A Nashville outfield is though. <laughs> right. Good gosh. Cause they called up Garrett Mitchell, Sal Frelick and Joey Weimer. And then they added Estuary Ruiz. So they have those four plus Corey race chilling over there. you know, former first round pick fifth overall, Th this outfield is ridiculously stacked. And 
I, I think the Brewers have done a good job with their outfielders in general, not to mention Jackson Churio, who's obviously a lot younger. But going back to Frelick, there was no denying his ability to hit. I think that the skills are there. He's kind of similar to Manzardo, where he just doesn't whiff often at all. Like His contact rates are extremely good, like some of the best in the minor leagues. And that shouldn't surprise you when you just look at his batting average. He does put the ball on the ground a lot. I fear that he's kind of a slap hitter-ish. I'm not going to call him a slap hitter because he does have you know, seven home runs this year, and he's done that between high A and double A, which is encouraging. He's going to steal bases. I'm intrigued by Frelick's profile, and I think I have underrated him to an extent. I think that you know being in a major league, or even minor league, I guess, but a major league organization's weight program, he's going to put on a little more weight, and I think he can get to – you know, average game power, maybe slightly under, but 15 to 18 home run type. I think that he's capable of getting to with the hit and the speed. That's uh, pretty well rounded. Not to mention he's great in the field too. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of lot of good things there in that profile. Like, but yeah, Frolic definitely looks like a a really good major league outfielder for a long time. Maybe he won't be super flashy type, but guy that's always a hit for a high average, solid OBP, good speed, and you know he'll add a bit of pop. Like I said, I think he's in that ten to yeah, fifteen peak. You know, probably more so in the in the low you know ten to twelve range. But at least that adds some power. He's on a zero there to add to the, the nice well rounded profile that he has elsewhere. So yeah, I think Frogs is going underrated. I think nobody's really talking about him in terms of this could be. Yeah, you'd like to see a little more power out of him, but even as a 10 to 15 homer guy, that could be top 50 profile for prospects. And I don't think he's getting valued anywhere near there. I, I even have him probably prior on 90 or 80 to 90 or so. I'd, ha- I'd have to look, but actually, let me pull that up. Right I have it up here. Where do I have Mr. Self Frelick, former Boston College standout? It's always good to get a, a New England guy in, in the mix here. <laughs> Let's see. I have him. Okay, I had 75 at my last update. He's since bumped up to 73, so I'll probably have to bump him up a little bit more. He went 80th overall in the P1 ADP mock that Mr. Chris Welsh put on, which he'll he'll be talking about all of that on his show, but he went 80th overall in mine. I'm assuming he probably went in a similar area in the other ones as well. But yeah, South Florida definitely, I think, is a little underrated for fantasy purposes. Last hitter on the list here, another outfielder to that I've always been pretty high on that I think is underrated for fantasy purposes. That's Colton Kowser from the Baltimore Orioles. He's, you know, he had a little bit of a slow start overall this year, but has really turned it on over the last the last couple months, really. And I don't think people have really taken notice as much as they should. You look at over the last 30 days, 325, 436, 614 slash line, six doubles, six home runs. Hasn't had any steals lately, but... 13.9% walk rate, 24.8% K rate. And for the season, 412 plate appearances up to 281, 413, 479, 26 doubles, 12 home runs, and 17 steals. We've been caught twice. 16% walk rate, 26.9% K rate. And he's a guy that, you know, the hit tool was pretty, you know, well talked about coming out of the draft. But we and we were talking with Eric. What was his last name? Eric Garfield. Garfield. I yeah, Garfield. Thank you. Back in February, maybe March, summers mm-hmm. in that range, he was kind of hinting that Kowser's got better power than people give him credit for, and he's got some. He's got good speed as well. He hasn't stolen a base lately, but seventeen on the year. So maybe he's a guy that can flirt twenty twenty with a good average, good OBP. You know, get nice hitters parked there in Camden, and Kowser's a lefty, so he doesn't have to deal with that stuff out in right field. So. He's a guy that's 
pushing top 30 for me right now that I don't think gets that much love. Oh, he, he gets love. He's a top 100 guy everywhere, but I think he's pushing top 30 right now. Where, where do you uh, where do you value Kazu moving forward, Chris? Yeah, he's another one I think I've undervalued a bit, but since moved up, he's been really, really good. And you mentioned he's getting to the power, and I think that's encouraging. He's always kind of had that frame where we knew he could, and he even did you know, last year in college, but people kind of credit saying it was what Sam Houston state. So, you know, is it really genuine that he can get to that kind of power and he's shown that he can hit for a good average. Like those are all good things to see. And he's just gotten better as the season's going on. He was, you know, solid in high a, the average wasn't great, but good OBP, decent power, good speed. But since the bump to double a, He's just been really good all around. He has not cut his strikeout rate. He was striking out a lot in high, actually. He's cut that. He's getting to the power. He's still walking in a high clip. I really like this profile a lot. I really am intrigued by what Kowser can do long-term. And the field of hits just going to take him really far. Plus, the developing power is huge for him. So, uh, I'm, I'm really big on what Kowser's done. Yeah, me too. I've always been pretty high in Kowser. And this is why, you know, I'm probably higher than most in FYPD rankings on Chase DeLouder. Similar issues being raised for him, like, oh, the, you know, he's from James Madison. It's not a big conference school. But I think Kowser, I mean, excuse me, DeLouder is a more toolsy Colton Kowser. Like, he's showing a great approach, high average. I think he's just getting slept on to it. Obviously not too much. People still think he's very good, but that's why I have to louder fifth. We'll get to that another day, but just want to throw that out there that, you know, this is why I'm pretty high on chase the ladder. I'm not too worried about the, you know, the schedule Let's look at what Colton Kowser's done. Very similar concerns coming out of the draft last year. All right, moving over. We got two pitchers, uh, three pitchers here on the dock. Excuse me. Let's start with Ben Brown, who the Cubs got in a very sneaky move. And they got him back in the David Robertson deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. And Ben Brown was the name coming into the year that wasn't really on the radar. At least not. He was, you know, probably buried down prospect list, but he's a guy that definitely has shot up a ton. I was guilty of underranking him as well. I think he's a potential top 200 guy overall. Now look at how dominant he's been over the last month, 21 innings. Only allowed 12 hits, two earned runs, three walks, 34 Ks, 086 ERA, 071 whip. And on the season in 78 innings, three ERA, 105 whip, 114 strikeouts to just 25 walks in those 78 innings. So, you know, he's, he's got a good fastball, a couple of solid secondaries. There is, I think people think there's a little bit of a reliever risk in there. I think he's still going to be a starter. We'll see how the Cubs develop him moving forward. He's still about a year or so away. He's in Double A right now, Double A Tennessee. But do you think that top two hundred is fair for Ben Brown? And where do you think he can kind of rise to here moving forward over the next year or so, Chris? Yeah, I think that's a fair spot for Brown, and I think it's fair to to have underrated him because he did have Tommy John in twenty nineteen. Like he looked like he was starting to break out early twenty nineteen. In low A, he had Tommy John. Obviously, the 2020 season didn't happen. He got just 16 innings last year between complex and high A. And then he was having a really good season in high A for Philadelphia this year before being traded. I think it was a pretty sneaky trade, like the Cubs did 
really good here. Brown looked really good in his debut start for Tennessee. I think in nine Ks and over five innings, only what Werner and run allowed, like looked really good overall. The, the pitch mix looked good as well. He's pumping the fastball and getting up to 95. I think it was on it actually, sorry, 96 to 98. Like that's super encouraging to see from him. I think the secondaries are solid as well. So on top of the fastball, you have a curve that's pretty good as well. I guess the development of him as a starter will kind of hinge on a third pitch. Like maybe the curve and slider kind of morph into one pitch, I guess. Probably more sliderish than a curve. But can Brown develop that third pitch? And I guess that's the biggest question mark for me. But yeah, I, I do really like the profile. I think he's underrated. But there was probably a good reason that he was underrated. Right, yeah, it was unfair, but I think definitely with how he's looked this year, definitely needs to be bumped back up here. Yeah, I think top 200. I could see him getting, I don't know about top 100, but top 125, 150 range, maybe by end of season if he keeps pitching well with, with the Cubs here. I think that definitely is possible. Last guy to round out the show, Mr. Andrew Painter. I think we've been making, obviously Painter has been getting a ton of love. Obviously, he was kind of the first name to really we talked about a ton earlier in the year with how dominant he was and then he kind of slowed down a little bit but it's really picked it back up again i think he needs to be talked about you know right up there with you know tiedemann and harrison i think he's right in that tier you know, over the last month look at these numbers here 24 and two-thirds innings over the last month that's in five starts 14 hits, one earned run, three walks, 34 strikeouts. That's a 0.36 ERA, 0.69 whip. He actually just went, so was it yesterday? I think on Saturday, it was a doubleheader for Jersey Shore. It was him and Mick Abel went in the, in the doubleheader, and Abel went six shutout innings, eight Ks. I think Painter went seven shutout with, I think it was 10 Ks. That's a hard duo to face in a doubleheader, let me tell you that. But, yeah, o- overall on the season, Painter in 68 and a third innings, 132 ERA, 0.88 whip, 109 Ks, 22 walks in those 68 and a third innings. Do you think he's should be up there? Like I, I just moved after seeing Tiedemann and Harrison. You know, I've moved them up. They're both around top 30-ish overall for me. And I think I didn't move Painter pretty. I'll have them him behind them a little bit, but I think Painter should be at least top 40. What do we think of that, Chris? I think. I want to see a little more before I go that high. The stuff's nasty. The numbers have been there. I'm not sure I can go that high just because of the amount of innings he's thrown. I just want to see more con- – I don't say more consistent because he's been consistently good. But if this continues over, say, 100 innings, then then I might be willing to go there. But there's no denying the stuff. It's really, really good. The Arsenal's extremely good here with Andrew Painter. I'm a big fan. Man, it's tough. Pitchers are just tough to evaluate in general. So for me, I want to see him throw the changeups more. His arsenal's, like I mentioned, really good. But man, if he throws the changeup more and more consistently, he could be absolutely stellar. So, I mean, I'm a fan. I just want to see a little bit more. So are you not that high on Tiedemann yet overall? You got me. Okay, you got me. How many innings has Tiedemann thrown? I was a career Tiedemann's at 70 and Painter's at 74. Okay, well, maybe I should be a little. Yeah, you know, I, I was trying. I was trying to call you up. I was. Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was just generally curious if you if you, if you had the same kind of mindset with with Tiedemann, who is just absolutely filthy. It was. He was. I'll talk again. I'll talk about that later. That yeah. my live look, but yeah, 
I guess I, I think Painter. I, I saw Tiedemann a little bit ahead, but I think Painter should be probably higher than most people have him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's fair. I guess Tiedemann also, you know, more innings at high A, not not significantly more, and also in Double A now. But I don't know. I, I, Painter's been really good, so you can't deny that. And the, the Arsenal's really good as well. So I'm a fan for sure. Yeah, maybe I should consider a- him higher. Yeah, maybe. I, I need to have him. I think I had him around 60 last update. I got to bump him higher than that. But yeah, that's, and that's I think Mick Abel is a good buy low right now as well. He hasn't been quite as good, obviously not nearly as good as Painter this year, but this stuff with Abel, like, I, I stand by like the stuff is really good. If he can just can make some gains in the command and control department, then the walk rate's been a bit high, kind of erratic at times, locating his stuff. But when he's on, man, like this stuff is so damn good. I'm, I'm really excited. That both of them should come through. My, my neck of the woods in double A at some point next year because Philly's double A teams in Reading, Pennsylvania, same league as the, the Portland Sea Dogs. So hopefully I'll get some live looks at them next year. That'll be really exciting. But all right, that is going to wrap up the show, though. Thank you to everyone for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross04. And our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ, Fantasy Pros, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.